get back home, consulted my wife and said, Zaida, uh, my wife's name is Zaida, by the way. <laughs> my name was A, right? <laughs> so I said, you know, Zaida, we're on this journey together and I've got this offer. And then she says, okay, Zaida, why are we on this journey? To make a difference, to create employment, to make a difference in other people's lives, give them opportunities. Hello and welcome to the Difference Makers podcast, brought to you by Chartered Accountants Worldwide. I'm your host, Indy Hoti. In this series, we're going to meet with leaders, many of whom are at the very peak of their influence and achievement, and some who are making their mark on the world despite their relative youth. They all share the view that the world can be a better place, and that they can and should do something about it. They're all Chartered Accountants. In this episode, we hear from Zahid Faiki. In 2018, Zahid left his role at PricewaterhouseCoopers as Regional Head of Risk Assurance for KSN South Africa and Swaziland to fulfil, as he says, his greater purpose. He has since devoted his time to improving society through such endeavours as his consulting company Unplugged, his many board positions and during lockdown, his organisation, We Feed SA, which provided 12,000 meals a day to those in need in KwaZulu-Natal, as well as the project, The House of Opportunity, which helps the homeless obtain skills and jobs. We hope you're inspired by Saeed's story. My name is Zaid Feiki, and uh, yes, I'm a chartered accountant based in Durban, South Africa. I was the, the youngest of four siblings, three, four, five years old. I never think about what I wanted to do, but fast forward to say about seven or eight, I wanted to become a pilot because we lived in an area in South Africa where the airport was right next door to our residence and the airplanes used to fly over. Although, although it was a nuisance for my parents, it was exciting for me as a young kid growing up. So I always wanted to be in the cockpit flying those planes flying over my home. Yeah, so uh, school, it was, uh, I liked math, I liked the languages, um, and accounting was something that yeah, I took a keen interest in. I also liked business economics, so I had a leaning towards business. To be honest with you, I, I enjoyed the subjects, but I wasn't very career-driven. I, I had this entrepreneurial flair from the age of 12. I'd buy and sell things, anything that would support me actually kind of making an extra buck. Those are the subjects that I chose but never dreamt of becoming a chartered accountant. From a motivational perspective, in terms of guidance and career, mom and dad couldn't give me a lot of support there, uh, but they gave me the moral support, they gave me a roof over my head and, and encouraged me all the way. I think what encouraged me to go into a career was really to give something better to my family, to my parents, and I got into university. Uh, no clue that I was actually gonna become a chartered accountant. So it was a big Bachelor of Accountancy, and then um, I went on and did my uh, honours in accounting. The funny story though is that, uh, I think it's a romantic story because I got to university, yeah, not very driven because I always felt uh, I could make it out just going straight into business. And then uh, I, I, I bumped into my wife 
and 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 it, I sat back and said, you know what? If I really want to actually make it work with her, I need to make a success of what I'm trying to do over here because I have nothing to fall back on. You know, mum and dad were were fantastic from a support perspective, but we, you know, we we barely made ends meet. My wife, she was excellent at school. She was a high achiever. Dad was a professional, uh, and here, here I am, you know, someone that doesn't have a background, no wealth to fall back on. So I, I, I worked hard at it, and I guess here was my motivation. And fortunately, I went through my degree and my honors without failing one exam, and, and I got through it. I couldn't afford to fail. If I failed, I had to drop off and find a job. So big four firms came through interviewing us on campus. And I went through all of them. I went to Deloitte, EY, KPMG, um, wearing the suit and the tie. And I just had about enough of the interviews. So, so my then girlfriend, now wife, we were sitting at the cafeteria and she says, you know, let's go for this interview with Coopers and Librand back then, right? I said, no, nah, I'm not interested. She said, just come, let's just go for the fun of it. And I was just wearing my torn jeans and a hoodie. And I went in there and I, for some reason, the HR manager just, just liked me going to uh, Cooper's and Library immediately after my honours at university. That was back in um, 1997. And in 1998, Cooper's and Library merged with Pricewaterhouse to form PricewaterhouseCoopers. I progressed quite quick up the ladder within PricewaterhouseCoopers. I became partner in 2009, did quite well there and became a, a national leader for the South African practice, led the risk assurance practice for KwaZulu-Natal, which is a province in South Africa and Swaziland, a country just neighboring us here. I stuck it out with PwC because I loved every minute of being there. But it came to a point where I realized that, you know, my goal was my goal. And I thought I would have a more better impact out there on my own. So I ran with that for nine years as a partner. And yeah, 30th of June, 2018 is when I actually left PwC. PwC. So I guess my social conscience was actually born at, uh, at a very young age. The experiences we, we had as brothers and as a family and the challenges that we had. So there were days that would go by where we, we, we didn't have food, um, a day or two. So it was always about, you know, how can we make a difference, firstly, in our personal life, in our family life, and also being conscious of the fact that there are people out there that are actually less fortunate than ourselves. So it was born at a very young age. And as I went through, I had a mentor. Well, I had multiple mentors. Mom, mom was one of them. I had my grandmom. And then I had a spiritual mentor that actually guided me along the path. And and one thing he said that, you know, it's going to come to a point where, you know, you need to start giving back. So early in my life, uh, as I go, went through this, this, this journey, kind of progressing up the ladder with PwC, at the age of 32, I set a personal goal for myself. And it's a personal goal that my wife supported quite a bit because I, we believe that not only was it a personal goal, but it was a family goal because collectively it affected all of us that at the age of 40, uh, I'm going to be retiring from, from the profession to fulfill my personal purpose. All right, <laughs> let me tell you this story, right? Yeah, I was about 40, 43, okay? And, and, and one of the things ritually in, uh, in my relationship with my wife, once a year we travel overseas with other kids so that we spend quality time together. And we, she booked a, a trip to Cambodia. 
and she's sitting down and we're kind of getting ready to go on this trip and she tells me so you know Zaid you've achieved everything that you had set out to achieve at the age of 40 but this one goal of not retiring from the profession what's going on I think it became there was a level of complacency because I'm at a partner level earning significant amount of money and you know you got this this lifestyle this luxury lifestyle that you get caught up in and and, and you forget what's really important in your life So anyway, we we go across to Cambodia and um there was a very remote town on the beach. You had to actually take a tuk-tuk to get there. That's how remote it was and we deliberate because my wife chose that space so that we had some head space to kind of think. We practiced me- uh, meditation quite a bit. So she kind of meditated and um she came back the next morning. And we we did it, you know, in our private spaces but at the same time she came the next morning and said, "Zaid, it's clear." Um, you need to move on. Uh, get back to South Africa on a Sunday. On the Monday, I contacted the, the African National Leadership and told them that you know what, uh, I, I'm, I'm actually moving on for spiritual reasons. So uh, there was a Monday and I didn't know what I was going to do. Aside from the fact that I want to give back, but at the, at the end of the day I still have to feed my family, educate my family. So firstly, right, with regards to knowing what to, what I wanted to do to fulfill my purpose, my wife and I decided that you know we want to focus on health and education um, because we believe that if we have an educated society and a healthy society that actually creates a platform to create jobs. So that's what we set out to do. And so that was from a social social upliftment perspective. From a business perspective, uh, in terms of earning some some dosh for the family, I started unplugged. So unplugged is basically unrelated to what I was doing at at PwC. You know, I told myself I made a commitment to myself. from a ethical perspective but but also from doing something different that I I won't do what I did at PwC. So Plantplug is, is a strategic advisory firm that provides support to businesses and it provides executive mentorship which I do personally with upcoming CEOs or existing CEOs in terms of how how do you live a, a balanced lifestyle you know from from spirituality to relationships to health and 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 through to livelihood and then the last thing was leadership training so there was unplugged right it was a friday that i we fi- i finished off at pwc on the saturday i hopped on the plane crossed to turkey for three and a half weeks and switched my phone off right <laughs> i think two and a half weeks into the journey with the trip with my family Uh, I was kind of lying down in the bed and I decided to check my emails. And yeah, there was a whole lot of emails that were coming through and there was a specific email uh where this company secretary was saying, "Zaid, I need to chat to you urgently." Yeah. And so I just quickly dropped a mail saying, "I'm on holiday with the family. I'm coming back on this date. Whatever it is, we can chat then." Got back on a Sunday. She phones me up on the Monday. She has a coffee meeting with me on the Tuesday and says, "Zaid, we need you to sit on our board." That's when the first board position actually was offered to me. Get back home, consulted my wife and said, "Zaida, uh, my wife's name is Zaida by the way. Uh <laughs> my name was A, all right?" <laughs> so I said, "You know, Zaida, we're on this journey together. 
and I've got this offer. We got unplugged. I got this offer, and then she says, "Okay, Zaid, why are we on this journey to make a difference, to create employment, to make a difference in other people's lives, give them opportunities?" So she said, "What what would be the primary reason for any business you go into?" I said, "You know what? Job preservation, job creation." So she asked me, "If you join this board, will you create jobs? Would you preserve jobs?" I said, "Most definitely, I would." So that became the criteria for any business that I started up, or any board that I was offered a position. My wife and I wanted to focus on education and health. Right? I was approached by a, a buddy to help on a feeding scheme where they were feeding the homeless out in the Durban CBD. So I got in there and uh, helped them with the, the process in terms of procurement, in terms of logistics, in terms of you know, actually managing finances and raising finances. And we were we are feeding like thirteen hundred people a night uh, in the streets of Durban. Fast forward to twenty seventh of March when South Africa got into the lockdown. We were approached by the local uh, metro, the the municipality here, to help them with bringing the homeless people into their the fourteen shelters that they created in the Durban CBD. Right, we went there with meals for thirteen hundred people. We were shocked. There were three and a half thousand people. And how do we actually manage this? Some of the other, we split the sandwiches. We made a plan. We fed all three and a half thousand. We kind of prevented a riot out, out there because these guys were were in there at six o'clock in the morning and we feeding them at ten o'clock in the evening. They hadn't had a meal. And with that, Itikweni, which is our municipality, I said, "Can you feed this fourteen sites? Happy with what you guys are doing." But we want you guys to feed a hot meal in the evening as well, not not a sandwich. And all we know knew was sandwiches, right? So uh, we and we realized how resource intensive this was going to be. So now you got three and a half thousand people a day, brunch and a hot meal. So we were actually feeding, as a result of that, twelve thousand meals a day. Uh, if you understand the logistics behind that, you know the drinks, the transportation, managing one hundred and ninety volunteers. And I believe that you know, as being a chartered accountant, actually allowed me to do that. I was in a command center, but I wouldn't have been able to do this if I didn't have the experience I got as a chartered accountant. My wife is also a chartered accountant. We were working six to like eleven o'clock at the offices. Come home, spend like half an hour with the kids. We work until two in the morning, sleeping like four hours a day, and we are spending like four and a half million rands a month, which is about two hundred and twenty-five thousand quid a month. And for me, that's not sustainable. It's about teaching a man to fish rather than feeding him fish. And it was all through philanthropists and corporates we got that money. Uh, it wasn't through the government in any any sense or shape. And basically, what made us successful in this whole thing is. My network, so I could get the funds. I could go to corporates. I could go to high network individuals to get the funds to to run this operation. The trust that was built uh, with our organization, uh, which goes as We Feed SA. Fast forward, I know. Yeah, I could spend days talking about it. But we're currently collaborating with 45 different NPOs. We got 30 corporate sponsors. We got mechanisms of making our charity self-sustainable. I built a model. Which you know it's working well, and I'm going to share it with other NPOs. So that private equity firm that I've started, 
together with my two partners, we've given 25% of the private equity firm to WeFeedSA, the charity that I'm a CEO of, um, so that it can become self-sustainable. I'm looking at a model where come five years from now, I don't need to go out for donations. I don't need to get public funding. It will be self-sustainable. And I'm going to take that model and share it with other NPOs to actually kind of become self-sustainable. Unlike myself, where I reached the age of 43 to actually pursue my personal purpose, you guys start with a purpose, and I admire that. You know, when it comes to humanitarian work, it's not about the money. It's about also the time and your talent that you actually contribute to actually making a difference out there. I believe that money is very easy to part with. You just kind of click a button in two minutes, later you transfer whatever donation you want to, to a humanitarian organization. But spending time, just actually kind of mentoring uh, someone that's less fortunate than you, sharing life experiences, giving them career guidance, etc., is something that's actually invaluable relative to actually donating a sum of money. You know, using your life experience to make a difference in other people's lives, using your experience as a chartered accountant to actually make businesses successful. Because if businesses are successful, you create opportunities for those that would have not had a job if a business failed. For me, the best thing about why I'm so successful with our charity, WeFeedSA, is because of the collaboration. The collaboration of my volunteers, 45 NPOs, 32 corporates that actually are sponsors, but also the collaboration where each corporate looks at me um, as a chartered accountant. And don't don't undermine this qualification. It gives you a lot of kudos and a lot of respect in the market. Thank you for listening to the Difference Makers podcast. The world needs leaders with vision, capability and compassion. Some of those leaders will and do come from Chartered Accountants. Listen to other podcasts in the series on the Chartered Accountants Worldwide website and wherever you find your podcasts. If you like this podcast, why not take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts Spotify, whatever platform you listen on. It will really help us get the word out.